Saturday, May 24th, 2014. It's 9 p.m. here in Portland, Oregon. I'm Jack Miller. And I'm Shannon Emerson. It's White Tiger Radio. Thank you for listening. So, uh, Shannon, what's on your mind tonight? Oh, boy. I don't know. I'm not quite sure what's on my mind. But... You can let it out. (laughs) There's... um, I don't, I don't think that many of our listeners actually know this, but there are four kinds of people in this world. Four. Four kinds of people. Okay. There are women who urinate on the toilet seat. That's one. There are women who don't urinate on the toilet seat, Two. but aren't mad oh. as hell that other women do. Okay. There are men who aren't even aware this is happening. That's three. And there are men who are aware that it's are aware that it's happening, but they don't use it as information for choosing a mate. Okay, so uh, four kinds of people. Can you review those? Well, I got lost. There's two groups so of women are, and two groups of men. Are, to elaborate on the first kind of people is the women who urinate in toilet seats. They out of fear. Apparently, I can I don't know. Apparently, they're afraid to. Sit on a public toilet seat. They're afraid that, I don't know what they're afraid of. So, but they're also lazy. So they don't, this is, this is gross, but I'm going to go, I'm going to go there anyway. So they don't lift up the seat and then not sit on it. No, they just leave it down and they don't sit on it and they urinate. And then the next person who comes in, who's not afraid, who just sits on the damn toilet seat, because why live your life like that? Group number two. And then there's trouble. And then and, and that person still is not afraid. They're just pissed. They're mad. Because that's it's it's wrong. So What can we do about it? Is this a solvable problem? I'm always looking for a solution. I don't know. I don't I don't think it is a solvable problem. I mean You don't think some of the you, know, you don't maybe, think men now maybe that they banners, know banners. We could put banners around. We could put banners around and we could have we could have a campaign of some kind. You'd have to raise know. money to do that. I think that, you know, what can the men do? I mean, we're blissfully unaware of this. I don't know. This they is could, the first they I'm could, hearing of this. They could try to find out if the women that they know and love do this or don't do this. And if they do it, they could judge them harshly for it. And maybe that would help stop, you know? I think everyone just needs to start start judging the women who do this harshly. And then I think I think it'll I think that that's better than banners, actually. Right. So in this Harsh case judgment. being judgmental just might save the world. Who knew? I mean, that's that's you a win-win. And you heard it here, ladies and gentlemen. So tonight is our movie show. Uh, and if you're wondering what that means, well, let's just get started and we'll find out. Goose-step mama on the cover charge. Goose-step mama 
tinker with some tailor, some a soldier to a sailor. Goose step mama, oh yeah, goose step mama. Goose step mama, boogie all night long. Goose step mama, you can do no wrong. You know how to reassemble, clumsy hands and knees that tremble. Goose step mama, oh yeah. stuff you've heard about America not wanting to fight, wanting to stay out of the war, is a lot of horse dung. Americans traditionally love to fight. All real Americans love the sting of battle.
big finish there for the Blues Brothers doing Everybody Needs Somebody to Love. And that's from the Blues Brothers, which was released in 1980. We started that set with the Ruddles, Goose Step Mama. All you, and that is from the film All You Need Is Cash, which was released in 1978. And between those two very peppy songs was an excerpt from the film Patton, released in 1970. That was George C. Scott doing the opening monologue as Patton. Uh, that film was directed by Franklin J. Schaffner, who also directed The Planet of the Apes, the original Planet of the Apes, which was released in 1968. And he also directed The Boys from Brazil, released in 1978. And that's a, that's a, that was a great 70s film about the attempt by the Nazis to rejuvenate their dream with these blue-eyed boys in Brazil. Kind of a creepy movie. So that was the first set. We're into the movie show. Shannon, what's on your mind tonight? <laughs> I think we already did that. Let's not do that again. But... Um, I would like to say that uh, George C. Scott was nominated for two Oscars in his career. One was the, um, for the 1962 film The Hustler, and the other was for his role in Patton. And he rejected, well, he only got actually got the Oscar for Patton, but he actually rejected them. And he, he told the Academy that he would reject them because he said he wasn't in competition with other actors. So he wouldn't even acknowledge it. And now he I have a quote. He rejected the Oscars. He, re- rejected, he didn't like, even accept them. Even before, when he was nominated, he rejected the idea of it. And when he actually got the Oscar for Patton, he rejected it. And um, so there's a quote of him in regard to the Oscars. And what I'd like you to do is I'm going to show it to you. And I would like you to say the quote as if you were George C. Scott playing Patton. And take your time getting ready. Because just look at it. And... Uh, I just think this is a perfect thing for you to do. So, but don't, don't rush it. The whole thing is a goddamn meat parade. I don't want any part of it. And that was really, that was, that was, <laughs> that was more of my Apocalypse Now version, not my <laughs> no, George, no. George C. Scott. I think that was perfect. That was good. That's exactly what I was looking for. Let me read it again in my, in my Jack Miller voice. The whole thing is a goddamn meat parade. I don't want any part of it. Ooh, that sounded like a haiku. That's George C. Scott. So, what I know about the film Patton is that uh, President Richard Nixon, who campaigned in 1968 on the promise that he would get the United States out of the Vietnam War, and he, in fact, campaigned in 1972 on that same promise, as though he hadn't been the guy who hadn't made it happen. He successfully campaigned on that promise. But in in the intervening years, Patton was released in 1970. Uh, Richard Nixon apparently watched that film in the basement of the White House, in the White House viewing room repeatedly and that one of the reasons why he wouldn't withdraw from Vietnam even though he wanted to he knew it was the right the smart thing he was a very pragmatic kind of guy is because that film made him not want to be the first United States president to lose a war that's amazing does it make you think that actually George C. Scott would have been a better president I think George C. Scott would have just said let's get out of this whole meat parade let's just get out (laughs) So, so the uh, I just want to also say, because we don't need to dwell on Patton too much, The Blues Brothers, not only an amazing movie, but as most people who've watched it would remark, an awful lot of cars were destroyed in that film. Do you remember that, Shannon? No, I don't remember that. Oh, that was the I, thing oh, I no, remember. Oh, no, yes, you're right. Yes, I do remember that. I do. The film is not very heavy on plot, 
and uh, it's got some great concert scenes, but it's really, it's, it's got great car chases, and 103 cars were destroyed in the making of the Blues Brothers, and that held the record for the most cars smashed and destroyed in a Hollywood film until the year 2000, when the sequel, Blues Brothers 2000, broke that record by destroying 104 cars, intentionally destroyed more than the original movie. That's ridiculous. And Think the, of all the beer bottles that were destroyed, though, in the first Blues Brothers movie. That's, yeah, but that's, that, that happens all the time. Uh, but 104 cars was the record after that. The record is now held by Transformers 3, which was released in 2011. And Shannon, this is a trivia time tonight. I'm going to ask you, how many cars do you think were destroyed in Transformers 3, the new record holder for most cars destroyed in a Hollywood film? I think 245. 532 oh, cars were Come destroyed. Now. Now, Over tra- twice as much as the second highest number. <laughs> That's kind of amazing. And uh, I think that now that you've learned these facts... It's time to move on with more of the movie show. Taking care of you, brother. Taking care of me? 
You're my kid brother, and you take care of me? Did you ever think about that? Did you ever once think about that? Send Fredo off to do this. Send Fredo off to do that. Let Fredo take care of some Mickey Mouse nightclub somewhere. Send Fredo to pick somebody up at the airport. I'm your older brother, Mike, and I was stepped over. That's the way Pop wanted it. It ain't the way I wanted it. I can handle things. I'm smart. Not like everybody says. Like dumb. I'm smart, and I want respect. just heard was the band the Leningrad Cowboys playing their song the ballad or ballad of the Leningrad Cowboys from the movie Leningrad Cowboys Go America that was released in 1989 we'll get back to that before that was the fantastic quote from The Godfather Part Two, released in 1974, directed by, of course, Francis Ford Coppola. And before that was 
Eddie and the Cruisers, the band singing the song The Dark Side in the movie Eddie and the Cruisers, 1983. And that song is one of my personal favorites. That brings me back because my sister and I, my sister Kimberly, and I used to listen to that song and that entire, in fact, the entire Eddie and the Cruisers soundtrack, which is uh, a fictional band for this movie, Eddie and the Cruisers, that was released in 1983. We had the cassette soundtrack, which was front-to-back songs by the fake band Eddie and the Cruisers, and we would listen to it in the car on the way to the Jersey Shore, driving as fast as we could down the Garden State Parkway, blasting Eddie and the Cruisers. That's awesome. And it was a familiar sound to you because it sounded a lot like your y'all's New Jersey hero. Bruce Springsteen, Bruce absolutely. Springsteen that was not Street Bruce Springsteen. Band. If you sounded thought that was Bruce Springsteen... I did. You were... I did. It's forgivable, but you were incorrect. So the Leningrad Cowboys, which who finished that set... Uh, along with the Blues Brothers and the Ruddles, which are three of the bands we've heard so far on the movie show tonight, those bands were, in fact, fictional bands. They were created for a film. Uh, But all three of them went on to tour and release legitimate albums, not soundtracks, as, quote, real bands. They became real bands. So, in a way, they were thought up and imagined and then they became real and it that gets me thinking does it not get you thinking about this shannon this gets me thinking about the the (laughs) line between imaginary and real like what is that where is that line well i'll tell you where the line is imaginary fiction whatever you want to call it it has to actually be plausible and so that's the challenge in creating fiction is that it actually has to be plausible and believable in some way you have your job is to make it believable and plausible whereas reality is just a free-for-all right anything it's easy there's there's real stuff for sure that that i say all the time it's like if 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 someone wrote that or put that in a movie or tv show no one would believe it yeah but the line from imaginary to real is easy to cross just one step because the imaginary already has to be kind of close enough All right, we got some lessons learned here, and we're going to move on because who knows what else we're going to learn from the movie show tonight, but we're going to start it by this song. Ooh. Mm-hmm. 
numbers all go to 11. Look, right across the board. Oh, 11, oh, 11, and most of 11, and then amps go up to 10. Exactly. Does that mean it's louder? Is that any louder? Well, it's one louder, isn't it? It's not 10. You see, most most blokes are going to be playing at 10. You're on 10 here, all the way up, all the way up, yeah. all the way up. You're on 10 on your guitar. Where can you go from there? Where? I don't know. Nowhere, exactly. What we do is if we need that extra push over the cliff, you know what we do? I put it up to 11. 11, exactly. One louder. Why don't you just make 10 louder and make 10 be the top number and make that a little louder? These go to 11. That song really goes on and on, doesn't it, Shannon? They're having a good time. They are having a fun time. That was Citizen Dick doing Touch Me, I'm Dick from the movie Singles, which was released in 1992. Citizen Dick was the fictional band that Matt Dillon was the front man for. Before that, we had a little excerpt, a pretty famous excerpt from This Is Spinal Tap, the 
classic rockumentary from 1984 that was directed by Rob Reiner. And we started that set with The Commitments doing Take Me to the River. And that was from the movie The Commitments, released in 1991. I love that song, Take Me to the River. I love that song. And... Um, I'm just going to go through these. I have some comments on all of them, which is, so I have never, still never seen the movie. This is Spinal Tap. I've never seen it. And I've never actually heard that quote from Spinal Tap until tonight. I've heard so many people quote that quote. And do they usually get it right or do they butcher it in your memory now? I mean, they get, it's not, it's it's a long, I mean, it's a long scene. So they get the parts right. Yeah. And, but that's the first time I've ever heard that all the way through. And, you know, so This is Spinal Tap is pretty much considered the godfather of the mockumentary, but it was not the first by any means. In fact, the first true mockumentary was the Ruddles uh, film. This is, oh, it's not This is Spinal Tap. Um, what is it? I have it here in my notes somewhere. The uh, All You Need Is Cash, 1978. That was the first mockumentary. Um, it was a television movie. It was a film, but it was a television movie that was broadcast on the 22nd of March, 1978 on NBC, and uh, it earned the lowest ratings of any show on American primetime network television that week. So it was uh, it was not a very popular film, and that's uh, what I have to say about that. A lot of facts there. Is that over? I think I'm done. You said March something. That was excessive information. Yes, it's true. It was so excessive information, but hey, somebody out there wants it. Yeah. Um, I proceed as though people are taking notes and that they're going to be quizzed later. That's my approach to the radio. And I'm sure that's how many people feel out there. Um, so singles, that was Cameron Crowe's first, first movie he wrote and directed. 1992. And it was full of all kinds of people. Paul Giamatti, it was uh, one of his first roles. And, uh, Jeremy Piven was in that. Tom Skerritt, Peter Horton, all the all the grunge folks, the Sound Gardens and the Pearl Jams. It was a lot of people. And the Allison Chainses. The Allison Chainses were in that too. Well, the, yeah, they were. They were. They playing, were on the soundtrack. They were playing at the fake bar or something like that. Right. In the background. So. Oh, sing! Oh, you singles. Seattle in the '90s, early '90s even. The movie show, where we're talking about movies, we're thinking about movies, we're listening to songs and excerpts from movies and Tim in Burton fact, Tim Burton he was in singles too we're moving Gus Van Zant no now you're yes. just making stuff up no it's all true okay moving on should we move on of course we should move on we should always move on Nigga. Yeah. Coming straight out of low cash. A crazy motherfucker named Dead Mike. So get ready, cause you're going for a long hike. Go 
you. A bullet in your head is how I freak you. A villain with a hat, and it's like that. I tied your mom to a motherfucking train track. Flat on the back, I gave her some crack. It's 10 o'clock. Do you know where your mom's is at? At my house. Do what? Wife and I asked, she had to move. Williamson, I'm talking to you, shithead. You just cost me $6,000. $6,000 and one Cadillac. That's right. What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it, asshole? You fucking shit. Where did you learn your trade, you stupid fucking cunt, you idiot? Whoever told you that you could work with men? I'm gonna have your job, shithead. I'm going downtown. I'm gonna talk to Mitch and Murray. I'm going to Lemkin. I don't care whose nephew you are, who you know, whose dick you're sucking on, you're going out. I swear to you, hey, you're on. going. Let's get this done. Anyone in this office lives on his wits. I'm gonna be with you in a second. What you're hired for? is to help us. Does that seem clear to you? To help us, not to fuck us up. To help men who are going out there to try to earn a living, you fairy. You company man. I'll tell you something else. I hope you rip the joint off. I can tell our friend here a little something might help him to catch you. You want to learn the first rule? You'd know if you ever spent a day in your life. You never open your mouth till you know what the shot is. Come on, pretty baby.
Doggy. So right before I started talking, we heard Dance With Me Tonight by The Wonders from That Thing You Do movie that was released in 1996. Before that, I'm still just a little shaken up by the uh, the Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross bit by Al Pacino. So I'm, I'm a little, I'm not sure. Uh, we call that around here, we call that verklempt. I'm verklempt. She's verklempt. Uh, that movie was directed by James Foley, who, uh, written by David Mamet from the play, written by David Mamet. I don't know if he wrote the screenplay. I assume he did. Uh, before that was, I, this I don't even know anything about. Jack, this is your, th- you you know about this. I so brought this one in. Let's, why don't you talk about it? Uh, we started that set with a song called Straight Out of Low Cash by CB4, and that is from the film CB4, released in 1993. And CB4 was a rockumentary, a fake documentary. I guess it's not really appropriate to call it a rockumentary because it was about a rap group uh, called CB4, and the singer of that song, Straight Out of Low Cash, and the lead in that film was Chris Rock playing a fake rapper. And when was that again? 1993. 1993. Third prizes. You're fired. Always be closing. to 
Yes, you can. Why can't you? Because I'm just a temp, okay? I don't know the rules. A couple months out of college, you're already acting like you're part of the establishment. No, man. no, no, no. What about privacy law, huh? Forget about privacy laws. You know what privacy laws do? No. They protect millionaires. You know who those millionaires are? Who? Tell them who they are. Tell them. Kids your age. Pimple-faced college dropouts who have made unhealthy sums of money forming internet companies that create no concrete products, provide no viable services, and still manage to generate profits for all of its lazy day-trading son-of-a-bitch shareholders. Meanwhile, as a tortured member of the disenfranchised proletariat, you find some altruistic need to protect these digital plantation owners? Wow. Come on. was Stillwater, the fictional band that appeared in the film Almost Famous, released in the year 2000. 
That song was called Fever Dog. And before that, we had an excerpt, a clip from the film Serendipity, a lovely little sitcom that was released in 2001. That was directed by Peter Chelsom, who also directed Funny Bones, a film that I love that was released in 1995, kind of an obscure film, but also then the Hannah Montana movie in 2009. So he, he kind of had some, he had a very uneven he career had, there. For eight years, he So unusual films. Spanned. Peter Chisholm, Chelsom. We started that set with Venus and Furs doing Tumbling Down. Venus and Furs, of course, was the fictional band from the film Velvet Goldmine, released in 1998. And that was that set. That was a good set. That was good. I, uh... So Cameron Crowe wrote and directed Singles and Almost Famous. He also wrote and directed Say Anything, which starred John Cusack, who was also in Serendipity with Jeremy Piven, who was in Singles, and Serendipity and Say Anything, which is why I'm going to do what I'm going to do next. And what is that? Are you ready? I'm ready. I have to get myself prepared. Everybody out there ready? Okay. There, um, Shan, while Shan's preparing, prepare yourself. Get ready for this. He got dissed in the Malibu. Now he doesn't know what to do, Lloyd. Lloyd, all null and void. Listen to the truth that you're trying to avoid, Lloyd. And that was a thing you just experienced. <laughs> that was the thing I did because, it, I, I mean, it was obvious, right? I read it all out. It was obvious why I had to do that. That's not the first time you've done that before, though, is it? Um, I can see you doing that back in the day. I, I, I've done parts of that in the day, but tonight was the first time I really put my back into it. Well, <laughs> your back showed. Maybe not on the radio because people can't see anything on the radio, but they could hear it. Speaking of the radio, uh, next Friday, I'm going to be a guest DJ. Say what? That's right. A guest DJ on our favorite radio show after our own. Of course, we're, we're our, our radio show is our favorite show, but our I second favorite radio show. I don't know if that's show, true or not, but go ahead. Eh, okay. Our second or first favorite radio show, the Phillips and Flathead Radio Hour, which broadcasts every Friday night at 10 p.m. Next Friday, May 30th. I'm going to be a guest on that show. Oh, you fancy, huh? That's right. And we're going to be doing the long-awaited and much-anticipated Germany oh show. Oh, my God. I'm so excited about the Germany show. It sounds fascinating. And speaking of shows, I'm Mr. Transition tonight. Speaking of shows, <laughs> yeah, like okay, you're not. our next show is going to be June 14th, just three weeks away, and it's going to be the Summer Songs show, and it's our first request show. Yay. That'll so be good. send us your requests. Send us your requests. What types of music, what what song specifically is, Says summer, is summer, to summer. Says summer to you. What would be a summer song that you would want to hear, Shannon? Uh, let's see. Um, I like to open up requests outside for of, the host. So here. I used to, uh, in Ohio in the 80s, I would lay in the sun and tan. And on my headphones, I would listen to Sinead O'Connor. So in a way, any of her songs would be summer songs to me, but they're really not summer songs at all. So if I were to think of a song that were really, truly a summer song, I would probably say uh, Wildflowers by Tom Petty. Okay. What about you? You know, I don't have a specific one, but Credence always speaks summer to me. There's just something real summery about Cre Oh, hey, wait. We have, our, we have a call. 
I didn't even know we took calls. This is not a requ- this is not the request show tonight. It's the request show is the next one. So I you, know that's the thing. As soon as you say there's going to be a request, request, people are just like, oh, oh shit, I'm going to call. They don't hear what it's for. Okay, let's. Uh, I want to hear my thing. Let's take this call. Okay, you're on White Tiger Radio. Hey, Jack and Shannon, it's Nigel from Guitarzan. Oh, hey, Nigel, how's it going? Hey. What's up? I've been listening to White Tiger Radio tonight. Yeah, okay. I'm glad you're listening. Thanks. Thanks, man. I notice you've got kind of a theme going here, and I'm just wondering if you're planning on playing any guitars, Anne. Uh, I haven't seen it on the set uh, list. Well, I'm just calling to warn you that all of our songs have been banned from the radio and all other media sources. Such really? Such as internet, podcasts, live performances, and such. Really? So oh, Ian and no. I can sort out royalty rights with each other and with a record company. That's too bad. It'd be great if you could play something of ours, but you just can't do it. Oh, oh, that's well, terrible uh, yeah. to hear. Sorry about that, Bad Nigel. News. We'd have to sue you, and the record company would probably sue you, and we'd have to send our friend Mickey Knuckles over to pay your studio a little visit, if you know what I mean. Oh, No offense, I hope. Oh, no, of course not. Well, Never. anyway, show sounds great tonight. Keep up the good work, and peace in the Middle East and all that. <sighs> okay, well, um, I guess that we're going to have to scramble a little here, because apparently, unless we want Mickey Knuckles to pay us a little visit here in our studio... We're going to have to change things up here at the end and get rid of the guitar Zan song we were going to finish up with. I'm not afraid of Mickey Knuckles. I'm not. Let's, uh, okay. Fuck that guy. You just got to give me a second here to find out what we're going to do. Okay, here's what just we're going to do. Just play we're, the music we're, and we'll, we'll Yeah, we'll do this. Okay, thoughts. I'm a little nervous. In constant sorrow. Oh uh-huh. 
You just heard Tear Me Down by Hedwig and the Angry Inch from the movie Hedwig and the Angry Inch from 2001, which I saw at the Harvard Exit in Seattle, even though that makes me sound way cooler than I am. I thought we saw that movie together. We did. At the Harvard Exit. That's right. Okay. Yeah. It's coming back to me now. Before that was... uh, a scene from the movie There Will Be Blood, which was released in 2007 and directed by Paul Thomas Anderson, who also directed Boogie Nights and Magnolia. That's, I mean, he's currently working on a Thomas Pynchon book for a film. For those of you who love Thomas Pynchon, like I do, I love Paul Thomas Anderson, Boogie Nights, Magnolia, There Will Be Blood, all pretty amazing is, films. Is this how long has he been working on this Thomas Pynchon book? Is this one of those things that will never actually happen? It sounds like it. If it's Thomas Pynchon, it should be. It hasn't I mean, hit the theater yet. So how long? Yeah. So we'll, we'll never see. know. It'd be great. I would. I would actually love to see what Paul Thomas Anderson does with Thomas Pynchon. Who wouldn't? Indeed. Before that was uh, the song "I Am a Man of Constant Sorrow" by the Soggy Bottom Boys, who were. The fictional band from the movie Oh Brother Where Art Thou, which was released in 2000 at the turn of the century. Well, here we are, 10.05 p.m. in Portland, Oregon, coming to the end of the movie show. It's been a good show. It's been fun. I've enjoyed listening to it because you put it together. And so I am actually sort of listening to this for the very first time, like everyone else, because Jack totally put it together at this time. No, uh... No ifs, ands, no, or buts? No, we, no, no, this was not a cooperative effort like it usually is, and it's great, and you did a great job. I love it. Well, thanks. It was fun to listen to. Thanks, Shannon. White Tiger Radio, May 2014. We're on our way out, but we've got one more song tonight, and I'm going to tell you what it is before you play it so that you know, and we're going we're gonna to get out of here with DJ. Go on, get. Who's doing a song, Whoop That Trick.
telling me to calm down, but I'm like, fuck that shit. I'm already on that hip, not again, that great goose. A couple of shots are here that just gave me another boost. I'm feeling electrified. You can see it in my eyes. Shirt soaking wet, looking like I just got baptized. Sloppy drunk like a wino at a liquor store. A crook like some sanctified folks catching a holy ghost. I don't think you understand. This one right here might get banned. Setting off a riot like we living in Afghanistan. But this is dirty, dirty, and that's the way it go. Security be the main ones acting like some hoes. But you the fucked up. You better call the law. I'ma break this moat. Cross your head. 